What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Making these hits. Hey, making these flips. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard, where every 25-point lead is safe. As always, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Chilling, bro. Chilling. Ready to get the show started. All right, so we got a lot to get to today. Um, to start off, I just want to acknowledge uh, today makes two years since Kobe Bryant, um, his daughter, and the others that were aboard that helicopter uh, tragically died. Um, those two years, man, uh, a midst of everything else that's been going on in the world, it seemed like they really flew by. Really, uh, it really seemed like it was a week ago, honestly. Um, but yeah, just just wanted to. Um, you know, pay homage to that, you know, being that we lost a legend on that day a lot, uh, along with a lot of other people who meant a lot to, you know, other people. So um always want to want to recognize that. Um So today we got to jump into the divisional uh weekend that just passed. And, and we're going to look ahead to the conference championships uh, as well as head coaching, um, head coaching vacancies. And uh, one that that's fresh, one that jumped up on us yesterday that we got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with the division around Saturday's games, um, which to me Saturday was definitely the lesser of the two days, but that's where we got to start. So uh, the Tennessee Titans um, came off of their bye week and welcomed Cincinnati into town and. For what was a ugly game offensively, uh, especially for Cincinnati, they were able to to pull it off uh, and get a 19-16 victory, upsetting the number one seed in the AFC. Um, and the first thing that I can even say about that game is for Cincinnati to have allowed nine sacks and still win is like that's that is a tremendous feat in itself. <laughs> Um, that is honestly, that's my biggest takeaway from that game. Cause watching that game, you're like, man, defensively, Tennessee came to play offensively. You could tell early on that they just weren't, uh, clicking. They, they didn't have it uh, together. Deontay Foreman came in and gave them a lot. Um, AJ Brown made a tremendous catch in the end zone, um, for the, for a touchdown in that game as well. But there were a lot of times that offense stalled, um, Derrick Henry, Reasonably so, didn't look like the Derrick Henry we were accustomed to. You could tell uh, at times that when that foot got touched, it was let me just you know let me I I'm not I'm not that confident in it yet. Um, so of course that played its part in it too. Um, but man, that that Cincinnati offensive line is something that they needed to work on going into this season. Uh, it looks like it's going to be number one on their board again. <laughs> Off season, um, protecting Joe Burrow is going to be uh, it's the most important job you got when you got a franchise quarterback like that. And they they failed to do so Saturday, but somehow they were able to still get a victory out of it. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. Anytime you sack a quarterback nine times and you force a turnover, you expect to win the ball game. Um, Tennessee defense played pretty good for the most part. They uh, kept a safety over top on Jamar Chase. They didn't let him get off like he's been doing all season long. Uh, they kept him under wraps. But but yet again, um, you know, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, he just couldn't get it going. Uh, he looked very, very, very off all game long. And I hate to define a game by just one single play. But, it, you know, you stated earlier, A.J. Brown made a crazy catch. And during the game, everybody talked about the throw, the throw, the throw. A.J. Brown had to adjust to that. Ain't nobody throwing no 50-yard back shoulder throw. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He, he made a crazy adjustment to come back and find the ball with one hand, I may, I, I may add. Um, but before then, he blew the safety and corner, and Ryan Tannehill overthrew him wide open. He beat both oh, yeah. by five oh. yards, Was would have walked in the end zone, and Ryan Tannehill missed him. You give them that touchdown, they're not even in that situation. Um, <clears throat> then I believe uh, the two-point conversion also came back to Hornham, if I'm not mistaken. They wound up losing the game by how many points? Three. 
about three, about yeah. three. So maybe if you take that extra point instead of going for that, and I was, I was, I was all for going for for the two point conversion. It made all the sense in the world to me at the time. Um, but like we all know, coach make a call like that and it works. Great idea. If it if it if they fail, it was a horrible decision. Um, yeah. But you know the Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow's under pressure all day long. Uh, continue to throw strikes. Continue not to not to show uh, any favor. Um, and being sacked, got off the ground. Continue to play ball, man, and they came out with the victory. Um, Bengals defense, uh, great job containing the run all all day long. I thought at one point Tennessee would go more play action to kind of get away from Derrick Henry in the run game, but yeah. they're like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna give this ball to him. So uh, shout out to Cincy, man, young team, and uh, they moving on to the next round. Yeah, and Tennessee definitely came out early in the game and ran more play action than I thought they would uh, to start the game off. And mm-hmm. then they kind of got away from it. They they got back to, you know, using a lot of Derrick Henry. Um, and, of course, shout-out to McPherson, who knocked out on that field goal. Uh, oh, that was time huge, yeah. 54 yards, and, you know, mm-hmm. he went out there and nailed it like it was a chip shot. So, yep. shout-out to – once again, shout-out to the Bengals, man. They mm-hmm. – I don't, I don't know too many people who had them getting this far, so. Right. Uh, that was the first surprise of the weekend. Um, <laughs> they, they said the kicker said a lot of things, a lot of confident things before the kick. Uh, yeah, like it was no, you know, like it was no big deal or whatever. So yeah, yeah. And if it's true, he, hey, that's that's one confident person, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what you want out of a kicker. No sweat. Um, so Saturday night, San Francisco rolled into Green Bay. Green Bay. This is the second season in a row that the playoffs have traveled through Green Bay. <laughs> this is what Aaron Rodgers has been begging for his whole career. Look, he's been saying, I didn't have everything but the, the road go through Green Bay. If the road go through Green Bay, you, you know, that's that's when we win. And yep. two years in a row, he's been sitting home that's up the it. road. to Yeah, so San Francisco went in and got the victory 13-10. Uh, to 10, A very cold game. Um, started snowing later on in the in the, in the game, um, but this is a game that Green Bay 100% should have won. I don't I don't understand how they even found themselves in the position to um, for it to come down to a late field goal for this game to you know to be over with. But what did you take from that game? Uh, Green Bay, like you say, you know the conditions played a, a crazy part in in the game, and then they lost Dylan, and I felt like when they lost Dylan, he went down with a chest injury and never came back. Kind of found that weird second quarter. Um, but to me, when Dylan was lost, they kind of lost a little bit of their they mojo. Uh, they wasn't as uh, as aggressive running the football as there was early in the game. Um, you knew uh, Aaron Rodgers wasn't just going to go out there and put the balls in harm's way. Uh, but like you said, I just found it unbelievable that they lost this game, that San Francisco was even in position with all that went wrong for them early on. Jimmy G made a couple great throws that was dropped, one to Kittle the very next play. Uh, he went to some, somebody else. I can't forget, but ball hits him in the chest and he drops it. They forced a punt. Um, and from there, Jimmy G just was like, all right, <laughs> hey, let me go ahead and start taking some chances. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, San Francisco found themselves in a ball game. They they taught they fought tough and uh, they came out with a victory. Uh, but you know, to me, it speaks more about the Packers. Um, I hate to say it, but same old Packers, man. Like same old Packers. This will this this is kind of like what I expect almost from the Packers. I had them beating San Francisco, but like we spoke about, if San Francisco win this game, it wouldn't like just be you know a huge shock. Yeah, um, but. This is really who the Packers are at the end of the day. And um, like you said about the last game, you hate to you hate to point out one play and be like, that's where the game was won or lost. But for me, it, it's the punt block. You know, you mm. you yeah. you stall on offense again, and then with your back against the wall, you allow San Francisco to block a punt and get a touchdown right off of that. And that 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 pretty much ended it right there. Um Green Bay future for is, is I didn't even is, want to jump into it. This <laughs> in the air now. We got to yeah. go ahead and just throw it out there. We'll get to it on another show in depth for sure. But Aaron Rodgers uh, doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. You sure? Uh, he, he's been threatening retirement. They are forty plus million dollars in the hole right now. Devontae Adams is a free agent. 
So they have a lot of things that they have to figure out. Uh, but it, it 100% starts with what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. So that's going to be interesting to look forward to uh, and keep tabs on as we go throughout the offseason. Uh, the first game on Sunday, the Los Angeles Rams went into Tampa Bay and defeated the uh, Buccaneers 30-27. to uh, this was a this was a game of a lot of ups and downs. Well, no, it was a game of ups for the Rams up until halftime, and then down for the Rams <laughs> in the second half. Um, honestly, somehow I never felt like the Rams were going to lose this game, no even problem. with Tampa Bay. Yeah, even with Tampa Bay making their comeback uh, in the second half, I never felt like the Rams were going to lose. Um, and it just, you know, it just so happened that they were able to avoid overtime uh, because if they hadn't, they probably would have lost their football game. Yep. Um, but some some bad defense on that last possession allowed them to to be able to pull off that game. Um, my biggest thing throughout the game um, was Matthew Stafford put on the performance you wanted to see from Matthew Stafford with everything that he um has had said about him in his career, um, and you're wondering if he could really be a quarterback of a, a Super Bowl team. That performance was if if that game would have ended w- 14 points uh, instead of three points, everybody would have only been able to speak about Matthew Stafford and the performance he went out there and put out. Um, they got walked down because of fumbles, basically. Yeah. Uh, the Cam Akers, you know, Cam Akers not being able to hold up to the football. Yeah. So uh, Matthew Stafford, I, and I said that I think early in the fourth quarter, I, I was like, I could, ju- I just got to throw it out there that Matthew Stafford isn't doing anything wrong. He's doing exactly <laughs> what you want him to do at this point. Yeah. So if they do end up losing this game, you can't put this on Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Um, and then down the stretch, Cooper Cup, man. <laughs> Once again, the best wide receiver in the league this season somehow doesn't get the most attention on the field, and you see what happens uh, from there. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's going to lead his pack, um, and he did a, a hell of a job in the in the in the second half doing so. You look at a couple of things that happened at the end of the first half: the fumble camp, the first mm-hmm. camp eight fumble. Uh, when the Rams were in the red zone, which probably would have sealed the game right then. If they, yep. if that fumble didn't happen and they were able to score a touchdown or even a field goal, honestly, the game probably done right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, giving the ball back to Tampa Bay and not being able to get any points right before the half. And then I want to say they came out of halftime and stalled as well, didn't they? They came yeah. out of the half and stalled mm-hmm. on that first possession. So... That's what led, you know, that's what led Tampa Bay to be able to to get that door back open. But it was a good game. Uh, it ended up being a good game in the second half, um, even though it was all Tampa Bay in the second half. Um, it's the only game that I predicted right this weekend. <laughs> so that's a that's a bonus. But uh, what all did you take from this one? So it was a very exciting game. I hate going in. I hated the fact that Tom Brady didn't have his weapons. I was so looking yeah. forward to this game. If you tell me Godwin is going to be there, if you tell me AB is going to be, going to be there, if you tell me uh, Tampa Bay O line is going to be in check, all these good things. Because now you have, uh, to me, the two best teams in the NFC fully healthy going going after each other. And and I mean, we all wanted to see that. So uh, the Rams definitely got off to a hot start, offensively and defensively. To me, the first half, Matthew Stafford didn't do anything wrong, but he also wasn't asked to do a whole lot to me. He put the ball where it needed to be. He had a lot of guys running wide open, um, which just made the game that much easier for him going forward because now teams have to play both the run and the pass versus in Tampa situation, they look up, they down 17 nothing, 17-3, and now the Rams are falling back and just waiting on passes and they're jumping everything they're getting a hand on every ball so it just kind of made the game that much harder for tom brady uh, ultimately this game to me spoke more about tampa bay uh that defense got off to a horrible start you saw levante david on the sideline going crazy you yeah. know screaming we're better than this you know what i'm saying and uh to me mike evans and tom brady still don't have uh that sync they're still not in sync like some of the better duo- duos in the nfl 
Rodgers and Adams. We saw Breeze and, and Thomas a couple years ago. Uh, even this year with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I mean, they're definitely on the same page. And to me, Mike Evans and Tom Brady don't share that yet. But he was able to turn to Mike Evans and crucial uh, times, and he came through form. He was really the, the life of the offense for a stretch. Uh, yeah. Tom Brady got it close. I'm sorry? I said especially towards the end. That was the yeah. last possession. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, through the course of the game, we saw that Gronk, still a decent tight end, but he, he he lost a step or two at this point, and it made it almost impossible for him to get downfield uh, with as quick as the Rams was coming after Tom Brady. Uh, but Tom hung tough, man. I really thought they were going to win that game once they tied it up. Uh, Cooper Cup got loose at the end. I just I just didn't I just didn't didn't understand that the play before and the very next yeah. play with Cooper Cup. I I just didn't get that. I'm rushing three. I'm a fan of rushing three at at uh, at those times. You give them quarterback a little bit extra time, but everybody on the field is DBs for you at this point, and yeah. you know they can kind of you know uh, bobble some things up. But um, it was a very good game. It was a very good game. The Rams, if they play consistent on defense, I think sky's the limit for this team. If that defense continue to be stingy, make the game that much easier for Matthew Stafford, to me, sky's the limit. Cam Akers won't put the ball on the ground two and three times per game. Um, but I, I must say, man, I was very, very, very impressed with Tom Brady. I think a lot of quarterbacks would have folded under uh, under those situations. They would have never found a way to come back, especially not having two of their three best weapons. Uh, but he, he found a way to, to get it close. One hundred percent. And once again, I it's, it's easy when you say when you can go into the locker room and say, "Oh, we down twenty four. I've been here before. Look, this this exactly. this is what we're gonna do. We gotta hang yeah. tough." And Tom Burton, once again, man, to you know whatever it is you have negative to say about Tom Brady, it can never be that he's not a leader of men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's if this is his final stand, he still went out uh, with a hell of a performance, being able to bring that team. Uh, back from from what they were down to yeah. tie it and, and be in a position to almost win that game. Forty four years old, threw for over five thousand yards, forty touchdowns, twelve picks. They missed offensive linemen, missed defense uh, defensive players all season long for injuries and COVID. Um, he set the ball so high it's ridiculous. Uh, I find myself rooting for him. I'm be honest with you, I find myself rooting for him now that he's no longer with the Patriots. Now uh, he's definitely the best quarterback. Uh, you know, to me, to have played the game. Yeah. And I've I've always been a fan of Tom Brady. I've I've never been against the Patriots or their way. Uh like I know like I understand why a lot of people have been. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's is I hated that he ended up in Tampa Bay, but <laughs> it's just uh it's just been closer for me to watch. Gotcha. Um so the last game of the weekend, the best game of the weekend, uh the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen went on to take on uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going. I'm just going to let you go ahead and, and start on that one. Man, I saw somebody on Facebook say, hey, man, keep the Super Bowl. Just give us the Chiefs and the Bills again. I said, man, I second that. I second that. Uh, that was a great game from start yeah. to finish. We, Josh Allen is, I think it's safe to say he's my favorite quarterback right now. I think okay. that's safe to say. Um I'm just so impressed with his game, man. He's tough. He got a big arm. Uh, he can move. He can scramble. He always have his eyes upfield when he's moving around. He can't throw from every angle like Pat Mahomes, but Pat Mahomes is just Pat Mahomes. But, man, Josh Allen is tough, bro. And I just love the fact that his his coach put the ball in his hands and just expect great things. Look, we're not about to get too fancy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you see a lot yeah. of times on – on fourth and short, fourth and one, third and two, all this good stuff. These teams got trick plays, and even Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, throw a quick out route to Tyreek Hill and things of that nature. Power left, like they treat him like Taysom Hill. You know what I'm saying? When there's a yard or so to be picked up, we're not giving it. We don't trust these running backs. We're not about to call no uh tight end screen or shovel yeah. pass. Uh, Allen, that's that's what we got. Power left, power right, bro. You pick. But uh, it was a great game, man. Uh, Josh Allen put on a hell of a performance uh, in a losing effort, but he put on a hell of a hell of a performance. Um, Gabriel Davis stepped up. You know, they always find a way to kind of slow down digs. The Bills was ready for it. They made Kansas City defense look bad. I understand Honey Badger wasn't there, but, man, they really had no uh, lead in that secondary in this show. 
Uh, Pat Mahomes was able to do what he do. This dude keep plays alive better than any quarterback in the history of football. Yep. In the history of football. I can't think of uh, someone told me that and I had to, I really had to stop. I said, I don't know about the history of football. I just can't think of someone who who kept plays alive like Pat Mahomes. But yeah, uh, yeah. to me, that was the whole that's how Kansas City stayed on the field was because he just found extra time in the pocket and eventually made a throw. Um, greatest Buffalo defense is they didn't they didn't look as prepared as I thought they would. I didn't like the fact that they chose the linebacker to guard Travis Kelsey. I feel yeah. especially on third and long that they could have switched that up a little bit. But um, they basically gave Travis Kelsey that catch um, before the Tyreek Hill catch. Yeah, tra- yeah, I didn't like the Travis Kelsey catch. Um, Kansas City loaded the right side of the field, and the only person that was left on the left was Travis Kelsey. The corner still an outside technique, playing an outside third, and he literally just let Travis Kelsey catch an eight-yard ball and then stumble forward for another five yards. I wasn't a fan of that call. Once again, why are you rushing for? Put three yeah. guys on that line, drop an extra guy back in coverage. Um, but, you know, all in all, great co- uh, great game. Coaches play fantastic. I had no complaints from this game. Yeah, and um, so early on, there was a good amount of defense being played. Uh, I want to say, um, what, 14 points got put up in – each of the first two quarters. So seven by each team uh, in each of the first two quarters. And then once again, you get to the fourth quarter and that's where it really got turned on at that point. And I gotta, I have to say that some of that has to just be the defensive got gassed at that point. Like you say, on both sides, you know, they're missing important players when you're looking at Tyron Matthew not being there to Davis White not being there for Buffalo for most of the season. Um, and you're depending on the next guy up to be able to keep somebody like Stefan Diggs or Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey uh, and, and limit them. Yep. Uh, the big surprise of that football game was Gabriel Davis. Yeah, he was uh, crazy. Being able to, to abuse defenders the way that he was. <laughs> and then uh, stuck that the, foot for that out route and then broke in on that post. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. To end up to end up with eight catches, two hundred yards, and four touchdowns in a, in a playoff game, uh, that's that's insane. And you look at Stephon Diggs, who, like you say, he had a pretty quiet game. But when they needed him on that two point conversion late, hey, I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna make this great catch. Yeah. Um, the, Buffalo's defense, when it came down to those last possessions, like you say, the the catch Travis Kelsey was allowed to to make. Um, that set up the field goal. That set mm-hmm. up the field goal, taking it to overtime. That that's inexcusable. That that can't happen. Uh, and like you say, it, it's not even just the fact that you gave up the catch. Look how much you gave up after the catch uh, on that play in order to put them in field goal range. But see, the the corner is in no man's land because a lot of people has gotten on the onto the corner from social media and things of that nature. But it looked like they was in some type of cover for a shell. He has that outside third responsibility. If he pays too much attention to Travis Kelsey, right, and fast as Tyreek Hill and Harmon is, if they post across that field, it's a touchdown. It's a wide-open touchdown. Uh, it may take a little time to develop, but at yeah. the same time, you know, he's in. He, he, he is damn if he do, damn if he don't. I I have to put that on the, on the D.C. Do not send four, send three. I think that at that point, I think the for, with the formation, like you say, that Kansas City came out of it, they got Travis Kelsey by himself on the left side of that field. You got to pay attention. You got to pay. Your, you got to give up your uh, so your basically your sole responsibility and adjust to Travis Kelsey in that spot. Um, but once again, hey, it didn't happen. So you know whatever. But then again. Uh, right after that, you got the Tyreek Hill, or uh, I can't remember if that was before or after, but you got the Tyreek Hill situation too, where how does he take that catch and end up in the end zone with it? Like that's that is insane. And once again, look, I understand that's Tyreek Hill, uh, he's the fastest man on the field at any at any time. But once again, you, that's a that's a situation where that should have never been a touchdown. Yeah. Because when he caught the football, you had a defender right there on his back. 
Um, there well, was oh, he missed. Yeah, yeah, but I'm you know once it, you got to make that tackle, you got to <laughs> you got to make that tackle. So even with what I considered bad defense at the end of the game, it, it didn't take away from how exciting that football game was in general. Yeah. Um, of course, what everybody's talking about it today is, or you know, been talking about all week is the overtime rules. And once again, man, we know the rules. It's just, it's just, just like two years ago with the Patriots and Kansas City. You have certain games to where you're just like, this game was so good that it wasn't fair that anybody lost, especially right. without both teams being able to to have the ball in the in, in overtime. And I can understand that, but you know. I'm not out here clamoring for a real change because of it. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, those guys ain't going nowhere anytime soon. This is this is the future of our NFL. So uh, just looking forward to to bigger rematches like this next year in the playoffs and the year after. You know, I, I saw someone say it was nothing more Josh Allen could do. Someone commented and said <laughs> he could have called tails. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> I saw. I, I came across the crazy stat too. That said, he was nine and zero before that on coin tosses. Oh man, that's crazy! <laughs> crazy. So that was that. That was crazy. It was like I say, it was it was a crazy weekend in general because you got both number one seeds going down. Mm-hmm. You got Tampa Bay losing uh, at home to the Rams, um, and then that crazy game on Sunday night. But once again, I, that game took the cake. That was yeah. uh, to me. That's I'm going to remember that as the AFC Championship for yeah. for the year. Like I'm going to always look back and be like, it was Buffalo Kansas City in the AFC yeah. Championship, right? Yeah, that's, um, that that maybe that game have probably have been more exciting than whatever Super Bowl we're going to end up with now. Oh yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So let's go ahead and look towards the conference championships. Okay, uh, we got Cincinnati going into Kansas City. Uh, in our first game on Sunday, Cincinnati is uh, plus plus seven in this game. They're plus seven. So you got Cincinnati a touchdown. I mean, Kansas City a touchdown favorite. Um, makes sense to me, <laughs> honestly. That 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 sounds about right. Um, oh, man, I, it's hard to go against Kansas City. It was hard for me to go against them last week to take Buffalo. Um, what we've seen from the Bengals' offensive line just doesn't sit right for, with me to pick them against anybody. Honestly, like mm-hmm. there's no way that what they saw, um, what their offensive line put out last week could win them another game. I just don't see that happening. Um, the game they played at the end of the regular season was tremendous. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a game like that again. <laughs> um, but I, I think Kansas City, what is it? Their fourth? I think they said they're hosting their fourth AFC championship. Yep. Their fourth straight. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to go up against Kansas City in Arrowhead uh, in this position where they're pretty healthy. They're way healthier than they were last year at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to see what's going to go on with Tyron Matthew, but um, outside of that, I, I think they're pretty healthy. So it comes down to the Bengals' offense, who all season long I compared them to Dallas's offense of will they be this high-powered offense every week or will they come out and lay an egg? Um, Raiders gave them a tough time. You saw what happened last week against Tennessee. Maybe this is the week that that, that offense really pops. Mm-hmm. But will it be able to outscore Kansas City offense? And that's that's the part that's hard for me to believe that they'll be able to outscore Patrick Mahomes and those guys at this point. So I'm going to roll with the Chiefs. Uh, I'd even take that touchdown, honestly. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely rolling with the Chiefs right now. I don't think that there's no one in football, uh, including um, the Rams, expected to um, be favored against San Francisco and and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, I feel like there's nothing left that can – that can uh, alter this KC's offense. If if Honey Badger play, I definitely think that they cover Cincy by a touchdown. I, I would say they win by ten if he plays. Um, but even if he don't, I, I'll still take KC in seven. Uh, Cincinnati is um, I, I, to me, they just don't have the corners 
Um, they're already missing a D tackle, which who played phenomenal this year. Uh, but then you tell me that my corners are Eli Apple and uh, Chris um, from Dallas, Ozue, whatever his name is. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, neither one of those are are corners that are suitable to me to be responsible in the AFC championship game. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely rolling with the chiefs to cover. And then you got, uh, Eli Apple being the center of attention for New Orleans fans this week. That's not going to have him in the right mindset. He really about about to be the center of attention, uh, come Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's not, that can't have him in the best middle space to be right. going up against uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, something else, they're going to they gonna, they gonna kill that boy on Twitter to follow after that game. Probably doing the game. So the late game is the 49ers and the Rams. I feel like we spent, outside of New Orleans, we spent the most of this season talking about the NFC West mm-hmm. and how uh, good of a division and how close of a division uh, race that that was. And look up NFC Championship. We got two two teams from that division. Um, the Rams, um, as you pointed out to me uh, last week, they they lost both games to the 49ers during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rams, of course, are at home. They're three and a half point favorites. I would take that. I would take probably a touchdown in this game in favor of the Rams. Honestly. Um, Look, I understand what the 49ers are. Um, I The Rams are playing outside of, of course, their second half um, last week, which, of course, turnovers will do that to you. Um, but I feel – I and even with that, I feel more comfortable when it's not Matthew Stafford turning over the football. Um, but – before that, the Rams have been rolling, man. Uh, Matthew Stafford has gotten comfortable with Odell Beckham. Cam Akers, uh, despite the two fumbles last week, he's gotten back into a, a football rhythm, and he's looking good, him paired with Sonny Michelle. Um, once again, Cooper Cup is the best football is the best wide receiver in football this season. 49ers couldn't do anything with Devontae Adams last week. Hell, they gave up 120 yards to Aaron Jones in, in the receiving yeah. game last week. So I, there's no there's no reason for me to believe that Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, <laughs> and those guys can't go out there and easily put up 300 yards of offense um, for that team. And then it comes down to okay, so if the Rams' offense is able to go out there and do that, what would the 49ers' offense be able to do? And then it comes down to how much do you believe in Jimmy G? And although to this point he haven't done anything to kill them, um, he hasn't done anything to really be responsible for them winning football games either. Um, I, I think a, I always think a turnover is imminent with with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and this is going to be one of those teams you can't turn the football over against because of how well the offense is going to be performing. And there's no way that I can see a Jimmy G led offense um, come back from a, a, a two possession deficit to a, to a Rams team, um, which I think might be the case early, honestly. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely taking the Rams three and a half points. Yeah. Give me that plus like I, you can, you can scale that to a touchdown and I'll probably still take that. I don't think either of these teams, either of these games are going to be, that exciting, honestly, or close. <clears throat> so I see this one a little bit different. Um, I definitely have this one playing out to be a close game. Uh, I was kind of surprised that the line would only be plus three for San Francisco. I thought it would yeah. be at least plus six. Uh, I do have the Rams winning. I do have the Rams winning this game, but I do have this game being close. Um okay. San Francisco showed me they had a lot of fights, especially with a run game. I have all the faith in the world in uh, Kyle Shanahan and the plays he's going to uh, draw up and with his uh, him and yeah. his OC is going to come up with the, to uh, move some of that weight off of Jimmy G's plate. We saw last week the Rams kicked Aaron Donald outside that D in a lot because Richard Rifsa uh, wasn't there. 
Uh, so they were able to do that. So he'd be, you know, back inside. And great as Aaron Donald is, to me, um, if you say he's going to have to worry about the run all day long, to me that kind of takes away from his game because we know how dominant he is at, at being a pass rusher. And that's exactly what San Francisco offense does does against this Rams defense. It's a lot of misdirections. It's a lot of uh, pitches that that has a pulling guard like it's going outside, but then when Debo get it, it's actually a dive and he's taking it back inside. It's a lot of things like that, just keeping these great pass rushes guessing. So you're not putting the ball in Jimmy G's hand a whole lot. So if your defense can somewhat contain this offense, even if they get yards for settling for field goals, I do believe enough in 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 San Francisco's offense to keep the, to keep the game close at that point. And I think that's that's is what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a lot of crazy runs. I think you're going to see a lot of Debo Samuels, and I think this is going to be a tight game. I do uh, have the Rams winning this game, but only because of a Jimmy G turnover. I think at some point he's going to have to step up and make a couple throws, and that's what's going to cost San Francisco. And I think, uh, yeah, so we see this one differently. We got the same result. We do see it differently because I think that I, I do think San Francisco's run game is successful because it most most of the time it is. But I think it's going to end up being a lot of San Francisco trading field goals for the Rams' touchdowns. And I think that's going to be uh, the issue, you know. And then eventually it's going to come down to, okay, well, we just have to go for touchdowns. Now we're in four-down four territory every time we get towards the red zone. Gotcha. But we still we got the same matchup. We both see it being Kansas City and the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. Yep. All right. So let's look. Uh, let's look at head coaches. We teased this last week um, about head coaches. Things have changed since then. So now we have to start with Sean Payton stepping away from coaching. Um, I told you yesterday. For 15 years, he's been the Saints head coach. That's half of my life. <laughs> like I, I for half of my life has been Sean Payton. Before that, it was Jim Haslett. Um, before that, I wasn't paying attention to football. <laughs> so Sean Payton has been uh, the head coach of my favorite team for for fifteen years, and it's been uh, a great fifteen years, especially. You said before who Jim who, Jim Haslett. Before Sean Payton, it was Jim Haslett. Yeah. And you said before then Jim Moore. Before then, I wasn't. Okay. attention to football, so I wouldn't know exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Jim Moore, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, it's been 15, 15 great years of, of Saints football, and that's that's before you even compare it to what it was before he got there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but standing alone, that's 15 years of great football. You know, it only came with one Super Bowl, but that's one more Super Bowl than they had in the 50 years. <laughs> the uh, <big-ass> Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, Sean Payton, he had his flaws as well. But, man, one of the one of the great offensive minds of the game. And, um, you know, the, a, a part of it feels like – I felt like if he was going to step away, it would have been last year with Drew Brees. But mm-hmm. it seemed like, of course, he was up for the challenge of doing it uh, without Drew Brees. And – um, maybe this year was just a little too much for him with with the crazy circumstances that that uh, COVID caused and, and different things like that. But man, uh, you can't you can't be anything but grateful to him. Um, and once again, if he was to leave, I always figured it wouldn't be him leaving to immediately take another job. He did, he didn't come off as that type of person to me, so he left in a way that that was gracious. And once again, I have. Uh, and I haven't seen one Saints fan that has any ill will towards Sean Payton or him, you know, stepping away from football. Yeah. So the, the inner fan in me, you hate to see a guy walk away. But yeah. I think people kind of tend to forget these folks are human. Right. And they want to yeah. do what's best for them as well. It's a lot dealing with, with COVID. If I had it made where well, I can step away from life <laughs> the way it is with COVID, I will retire right now. But I, I completely get it. Even if he comes back next year. I know there's a lot of rumors out there with him coaching in Dallas, things of that nature. Yeah, I would be kind of disappointed. However, if he feels that's what's best for his future, go right ahead. Because if I was able to transfer again within uh, 
uh, my employer because it's it's going to provide a better situation for me and my household. You better believe I'm going to do it. So yeah. um, I, I definitely I definitely understand uh, his motives. Um, 15 years of service, gladly appreciate it. Would never forget the Garrett Hartley field goal to put us in um, the Super Bowl. Never forget the the gutsy onside kick. Never forget yep. the Tracy Porter pick six uh, to win it all. Uh, and like you said, he was the one who brought us that first Super Bowl. He And more than a Super Bowl, he established a winning culture in New Orleans. He ex- he, he put expectation in New Orleans. Um, and I'm just grateful that Dennis Allen is a guy who already uh, knows, uh, you know, how we rock and um, he has a great, you know, relationships with the players and all of that good stuff. So Sean Payton really left us in good hands. I mean, that cap ain't looking nice, but outside of that, uh, I appreciate everything that he's done for New Orleans. And and just to to touch on that, uh, something you just said, even even beyond the winning culture, man, he came to the city at a time where the city was devastated, and through the Saints and the organization, they were able to uplift the city. Right. Uh, at a time where it really needed it, desperately needed it, and that will never be forgotten, uh, right. even beyond the football field. But let's transition to what you started talking about right there, which is now we're in position to what we're looking for a head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen all kinds of opinions on what that should look like um, since he announced him stepping away yesterday. My opinion, and I know we share it, is you promote Dennis Allen to head coach um, because for one, like you said, he already knows the culture. He already knows the system. He already, you know, it's a smooth transition uh, right there. Um, Plus he's a coach that's being looked at by other teams. You're able to keep him from being poached from you. Same thing with Chris Richard. I saw that he, um, you, you promote him to defensive coordinator in my, you know, in my opinion, somebody else who look, he just, Interview for I think Baltimore's head coach, uh, defensive coordinator job. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you be you're able to keep both of those guys in the house, and it's a smooth transition. Like you say, the cap's ugly. Cap always ugly for us. We we <laughs> gonna find nowhere around that one. That's what I'm like. Why y'all freaking out about sixty and seven? Man, we was a hundred uh, last year, and they made it work. Like this this cupcake right here. I've seen I've seen Saints reporters all season telling y'all look. We negative 70 million. It's yeah. easy. It, it, it's easy yeah. work this year compared yeah. to last year. Um, but I have seen people saying, no, let's go out and try to get an Eric B and me or uh, one of these offensive minded coaches instead of stepping into a defensive, uh, a defensive minded coach. Um, and under other, under other circumstances, I think I would be on board with that. Mm-hmm. I think I would look at an Eric B me or, uh, those guys and be like, yeah, for sure. Let's go get one of these. Let's go from an offensive creative genius to try to find another one. Yeah. Um, but the the fact that Dennis Allen is in a position to where you can tell he's ready to to lead a team. Right. Um, and he's been uh such a he's been such a big part of what we've been able to do these past three years. He's been just as big Absolutely. a part as Sean Payton has been. Absolutely. Um. So I and then I and then being able to the fact that I haven't heard too many people talking about him in general. He seems to always be the forgotten man nowadays. But Pete Carmichael has been there with Sean Payton damn near every step of the way. Like I yeah. offensively, that mind is 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 there. So right. I have no I have no concerns of Pete Carmichael being the sole being the sole possession of our offense and what it does going forward. So to me, it's it's a no brainer of who should be taken over going forward. Yeah, I'm not going to even really waste much time touching on that. I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, slide D, uh, Dennis Allen. I was about to call a man DA like we cool like that. <laughs> <laughs> slide Dennis Allen to the head coach and Chris Rasad moves to uh, defensive coordinator. Keep both guys in-house and, you know, you keep the ball moving, man. 100%. So last week before we got off, uh, we talked about what we felt was the best head coaching uh, opportunity. Has that changed for you now that the same job is open? I don't even look at it as being open. <laughs> being completely honest with you, to me, I don't even look at it as being open. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I can't, I can't even count the same job uh, gotcha. as being um, open. So last week you went with the Raiders. 
the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's 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 talk about that. Why the Raiders? I feel, I don't feel like the Raiders are a bad team at all. I love what they have done at the defensive end position. Um, I don't think Max Crosby is like all pro to me. He's a, still a little bit hype because he don't get the sacks that the the great guys get. I think the dude made the Pro Bowl with like six to eight sacks. To me, that's just ridiculous. Anyway, um, <laughs> to me, they're heading in the right direction. And yeah. if you're telling me that I have uh, wiggle room with the cap, you're telling me that De- uh, Derek Carr is the most highest paid player. I believe that he's a $20 million cap hit next year, if I'm not mistaken. And we still yeah. have wiggle, we still have wiggle room to move around. I really do feel like the Raiders are two corners away. If they can improve their secondary, I feel like the Raiders can kind of somewhat surprise teams. They can be right back in the hunt for the playoffs next year. But they have to do something with a secondary. So, a head coach, if I'm if I'm uh, being hired by the Raiders or any team, you telling me that I already have a quarterback who I trust somewhat, or you know, is a dependable QB. They made the yeah. playoffs last year through all the craziness that they went through. Um, and only thing I have to really do is find a way to improve my secondary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> sign me up. Because <laughs> uh, m- mostly every other team, you take on that, that that head coach position and you're hoping to land a QB. This yeah. Raiders job, you already have one intact. So that was really, to me, one of the biggest uh, reasons why I went with the Raiders. It, it, okay, but so obviously you, as, as myself, are – big on Derek Carr. We feel like Derek Carr can continue to be a franchise quarterback for yeah, for definitely. the Raiders. Definitely. But the past two seasons it's been a lot of question marks around that. And mm-hmm. I guess the biggest thing for a head coach stepping into that position is well how does he feel about Derek Carr and how does the organization feel about Derek Carr? Because right now we don't know if it was really John Gruden who wanted to move on from Derek Carr or was the Raiders organization saying no we can find better than Derek Carr. So I guess it really, you know, it really depends on whether it's the organization that felt that way about how the organization feels about Derek Carr and what's your input when you, you know, if you're taking on that job. And um, even if, and even if that's the situation where Bruton wanted to get rid of the other organization, if I'm a head coach, at least I know I have him here for one more year versus walking into a situation where I'm looking for a quarterback. So, yeah. Yeah, either way it go. I mean, Derek Carr played pretty good this season. You can't look past that. And you tell me that he lost his number one draft pick in Henry Ruggs for off-the-field issues and all this good. Darren Waller was just completely hurt for the majority of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, all these things that, that went on, I can go on and on about the Raiders. They can really write a book about their, their season, bro. It was that crazy. Uh, so to go through all that and still come out, at least in the playoffs, and the wild card game came down to the last play of the game. Yeah. Give me that job. Yeah, I'll take that job. Outside of that secondary, uh, I think receiver is a position they got to pay some of to as well going forward. Um, So for me, it's the Denver Broncos. Um, I feel like out of the available jobs, like you say, we're not even counting New Orleans. um, I feel like that's the the team with the most talent. Um, I feel like like you like you pointed out, most of these teams are, are looking for a quarterback. I feel like this 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 job, the Denver job, and probably the Miami job are the only two to where you get the quarterback, you got it, you you solved it. You, you, yeah. <laughs> and Miami has a little more issues than what Denver does. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Denver, if you drop a Derek Carr, if you drop a Aaron Rodgers, if you drop absolutely. Uh, uh, a quarterback, uh, Matt Ryan. If you drop a quarterback like, if you drop a quarterback like that into that Denver situation, uh, uh, something I was worried about with them before the season was running back. Melvin Gordon and and Williams proved that. Look, we got it. We we can handle <laughs> it. Uh, they had injuries at wide receivers, but they got the wide receivers there with Tim Patrick, Cortland uh, Sutton, mm-hmm. Jerry Judy. You got Noah Fan. Like if those guys can stay healthy, you have no issues with with the talent amongst your mm-hmm. offense. And then we know what they are defensively. They are what they have always been defensively. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why they were able to be in a lot of these games this season, despite what Teddy Bridgewater was or what they're able to do or what Drew Locke was or weren't able to do. 
Um, I, I yeah. So this is the one job where I feel like, especially like Aaron Rodgers. But if you drop yeah. one of these metal yeah. quarterbacks into this situation, that's if you drop team. Aaron Rodgers into it, you're looking at him and saying that's a Super Bowl contender next. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's and that's in that AFC West, which is yeah. going to continue being a tough d- division. So um, yeah, that's why I look at that team and say that to me is the the best uh, head coaching job available. I had them second on my board. Yeah. And I, and I went Miami second. You got to figure out what you want to do with your quarterback if you're going to trust him to go forward or not. Yeah. Um, and probably off the uh, running back. Running back to me is something they got to they gotta get better at in Miami. They seem to love uh, Gaskin. I, I don't care for him. Uh, like talking about, I think they can do better at that spot. And a quarterback can change life for that too, to be honest with you. A, a yeah. good quarterback can kind of – make you look at your available running backs a little different. 100%. 100%. Um, so, I mean, that's that's all we got for, for this show. Uh, we got two conference championship games coming up this weekend. Football season winding down on us, man. We got, we got two, three more weeks of football, and then it's, and then it's NBA season. It's, it's, it's time to just focus on basketball, honestly. Um, so, yeah, um, next week, we can uh, jump into the awards that's going to be given out uh, after uh, before Super Bowl. Before the Super Bowl, we could touch on some of these head coaching jobs. Maybe they'll start getting filled. This seems to be uh, the most extensive head coaching search <laughs> that I've ever witnessed. Uh, there's been no head coaches hired. Yeah, and people tired of hiring from the end of the season. They tired of hiring the the the, the medical tape guy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For some uh, D two school and take chances on these crazy coaches with yeah. not so great resumes or whatnot. So I respect it. Hopefully, guys that really you know have earned uh, their chance, like the Eric Benemies and uh, yeah. the rest of the guys out there. Hopefully, they get chances now, man. And it seems like and it seems like they they will. I see that. Um, People like uh, Todd Bowles and Byron mm-hmm. Leftwich, those guys are becoming yeah, finals in some of these yeah. head coaching jobs. Everything that I've read has all has pretty much said that he's locked in in Jacksonville. Everything yeah. that I've read, yeah. and he should be as soon as as yeah. soon as they fired Urban Meyer, like he got to be Byron Leftwich. Yeah. He got that's what Tom Brady will do for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> True story. True story. Um, but that's it for us today, man. Another great show. Appreciate you as always, oh, man. Thanks. Always. Yeah. We'll get back to it next week. Yes, sir. I'm in the lead. You boys not in my lead. No. If you listen close, I'm coaching. Take keys. Cause the boy hella dope without pushing a Blanco. Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco. If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto. If I don't do nothing, I'm about Lonzo. Every time I do it, do it the coldest.